Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Mitch, and with my show co-hosts, I'd like to acknowledge the Rwandjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past and present, and acknowledge that this land was stolen and that sovereignty was never ceded. Each week on The Living Free Show, we bring people from different backgrounds together to break down their sense of... Nah. The Living Free Show showcases one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling, and food addictions. This week, we'll be doing something a little bit different. This week, uh, we'll be speaking to Rebecca, who studies policy and peace studies and is someone in their early 20s to break down their relationship with alcohol, how moving interstate has changed that relationship, and how getting into new environments work-wise and socially has led to developing a new relationship with alcohol, generally exploring what it's like for someone in their early 20s to perhaps not be drinking as much or to be experiencing a different kind of culture in regards to alcohol, and then going forward, how we think that Alcohol will generally transpire for people in their early 20s going into their 30s in Australia and the future of alcohol and alcohol culture, what that will kind of look like. So, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mitch. So, if we could just get started with your initial uh, experiences with alcohol, how you initially came to start drinking, whether or not that was more something that was transpired as a result of your family or your friends and school life what was that like for you growing up and into your adolescence um I probably first saw alcohol that wasn't in the home around year nine year ten and going to parties I guess 15 16 year old parties was yeah when I first started to see alcohol or steal from my parents sort of thing and what was that like? What was the culture like at the time? And I guess if we wanted to go back even a little earlier, um, growing up as a kid, did you see your parents drink? Yeah, alcohol's a big part of my family, um, both on my mum's side and my dad's side, and both my parents drink a lot of alcohol. So, And they both smoked up until I was like 10, maybe. Um, yeah, so I guess I just saw it as like a normal thing to do I used to when I was younger probably despise them a little bit for it just because I felt like they were always drinking and smoking and I knew that that was bad um from a very young age so yeah I guess I always kind of viewed alcohol as a negative thing but I guess I changed my relationship with it when I did start to drink and thought oh this is actually really fun um so I guess during my teenage years I thought it was really fun and silly and then as I became a bit more educated in my late teenage years, early 20s, I kind of realised that, yeah, it actually is a quite toxic thing. Um, yeah. 
And do you remember your parents ever talking to you about the dangers of alcohol or maybe why you shouldn't drink or, you know, giving you any warnings around drinking culture? No, um, I'm the eldest of four, so, and there's quite a big age gap between two of my siblings, five years and seven years, and one of my siblings is three years, so I guess a lot, I had no one to kind of pave the way for me, so I was kind of breaking all those rules, so I guess I did it in secret, and I think they just thought that I was a good girl for the most part, and didn't really know that I was drinking, Um, so yeah, I guess they... Because my siblings were a lot younger, um, it was a bit hard. Yeah, I guess I didn't really open up to my parents or have like a friendship relationship with them. So, yeah, we never really spoke about that at all. So you felt like you kind of had to hide, uh, you know, you're going out and you're drinking and you're partying and stuff like that when you started doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it it is illegal. I was underage. Um, But also, yeah, they didn't really offer a safe space for that. Um, I think they turned a blind eye to it and preferred not to know. Yeah, and I guess that is something that's, you know, pretty straightforward for a teenager. I mean, I feel like every teenager at one point has had to hide a drink or the fact that they're going out or sneaking out or that kind of thing. So that's nothing new. But what you what you just mentioned is something very interesting, like in terms of providing a safe space and an open, open forum to discuss something like that. Um, you know, I didn't really have that with my parents either. And I feel like, you know, where there's something that's not spoken about or something that's pushed to the side, that's kind of where deception kind of breeds. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I can relate to that as well. And what about your siblings? How did they view your parents' relationship with smoking and alcohol growing up? Um, I guess we didn't really talk about it with one another just because um, I don't think they really understood until maybe more so within the past three or four years. Um, I think my brother, who's three years apart, so my second, the second oldest, we would always talk about it and viewed it as such a bad thing. And um, I guess it's really hard because my parents are both like, functioning alcoholics so they still hold successful jobs and successful roles in their workforce um and I guess they just use it to numb their pain and numb their daily life pain so yeah I guess but now the all four of us kind of talk about it a lot more and yeah kind of wish that things were a bit different and that they could help themselves and functioning alcoholic, that's um, a phrase we hear a lot um, in discussion with people who have been through the 12-step reco- recovery program from alcohol. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about that phrase and how you think things would have been different perhaps if your parents weren't functioning as alcoholics and you know how close letting alcohol into their lives in a detrimental way to you guys would have been? Um... I, I suppose I'm saying, you know, did you ever worry that your parents' drinking was going to get too much, or you know, was it a was it a, a thin grey line of whether or not their drinking would turn into something which would be harmful to you guys? Um, no, not really. Just because, um, yeah, as I said, they're very hard workers and they have their whole lives on the line. If they, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't ever think that. No. And what about school and, like, when you first started going to parties at school and drinking at that age and stuff like that, how did that initially transpire? 
Um, yeah, first party was uh, in year 10, um, but obviously being on the Gold Coast, we just had went to the beach and just took drinks to the beach and made fires on the beach and just sat around drinking. That was like a lot of my teenage years. Um, yeah, didn't have to go to a house, which I guess was unsafe for sure. And yeah, the cops could have rocked up at any minute. So yeah, not a very safe space for drinking. And was your your grade a little bit more of a drinking grade or a drugs grade? Um, probably more drinking, yeah. I guess I wasn't really exposed to drugs apart from um, cannabis until after school. So, yeah, was not around, I would say. And, yeah, we were talking a little bit before the show about the difference between growing up and involving yourself in a drinking culture and somewhere that's more of like a beach town or a country town and what that's like compared to growing up in a metropolitan area and what the drinking culture is like there. I know that there are a few years removed in terms of you first started drinking, you know, 15, 16, 17, and now you're in your early 20s. But what do you think the difference is uh, in drinking culture between small towns and perhaps a metropolitan area? Um, I guess it comes down to like these days... um finding something to do and I feel like living in Melbourne now there's just so much to do that doesn't um, involve alcohol whereas in the smaller towns or regional towns I come from the Hunter Valley originally um, there's not as much to do apart from like drinking going to the pub going to local sport which involved drinking Um, yeah going to the parks you know I just feel like especially seeing my family still there as well um yeah, you just see how much drinking is normalised, getting belligerent drunk every weekend is normalised, um, gambling even normalised um, within community. So, yeah. What do you think the impact is of that being so normalised on people our age and for, you know, generations past? How do you think that shaped, you know, our parents and our generation? Um, well, I guess, yeah, my parents are from um, regional towns. So, yeah, I guess their parents as well so yeah you definitely see how the their my grandparents drinking influenced my parents drinking for sure yeah and what kind of ways do you think um just like i guess anything like christmas or um public holiday it's just like extremely normal just to get really drunk um i guess daily drinking is normal i think it's just being Posting alcohol, drinking alcohol is just normal. It's not like there's no problem. And how do you think your relationship with alcohol, how do you think it's transpired thus far? Do you think there are things that you would have changed about it or you wish you could have approached it in a different way over the years? Um, I guess I wish that definitely in school that we were like educated a lot more on it. Um, I feel like at my school it was like, definitely educated in such a scare tactic way not in a safe way like I just think that they wanted to scare us as much as possible thinking that like we would turn a blind eye to it but I feel like that is just not the case it's not productive education it's just scaring the people who are already scared and just becoming a joke for people who are already consuming it and starting to experience um what it what alcohol is so yeah, I feel like for me, um, I don't know, I think maybe just because my parents could function so normally with drinking a lot. So I just always 
um, kind of, yeah, I don't think I've ever really had a problem with it. I think, yeah, I, I also am good at two shoes by nature. So, yeah, would only really drink at parties or um, never, never like to lose control completely. So, yeah. And yeah, the use of the word scare tactic, I find that pretty interesting. So if we can put you, if we can put ourselves in the shoes of our educators at school and our parents and whatnot, what do you think the motive behind, you know, uh, approaching alcohol with that kind of scare tactic in trying to teach the youth how to, how to drink, basically, what do you think the thinking behind that was? And how do you think that's impacted us generally, our generation? Um, I think at my school, because it was a religious school, it played into a lot of their education, like, you know, drinking, underage drinking and um, getting drunk and excessive use of alcohol is a sin. So, yeah, I feel like it definitely played into the nature that they definitely wanted to teach um, drinking education. Um, But, yeah, I feel like it did not really help at all in hindsight. And... You know, excessive use of alcohol is a sin. It's like, I'm not sure in which chapter of the Bible they draw that line between normal use of alcohol and excessive, you know, it's kind of like a a gray area, I suppose. Or I thought maybe even, because I guess Jesus drank red wine at some point, but... Yeah, it's just interesting where they, um, how they kind of define and carve out these sins and things that aren't okay and aren't okay, but, uh... Where are, where are you now with your relationship with alcohol? Um, I feel like I'm in a good place with it. I work in a bar, very busy bar. So I find that I don't really drink at home. Um, I only really drink like once or twice a week if I do. Um, yeah, I just find that I'm not as productive when I'm hungover, which a lot of people find. I feel like it's good to sort of set boundaries when you are working um, surrounded by alcohol three to four days a week. So. Did you say you're not as hungover as other people? Or what did you say about being hungover? I'm sorry. Uh, not as productive. When you are hungover? Yeah. How do you kind of combat that? Do you do, is it a matter of just not drinking as much? Um, I feel like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, great. So we're going to go to a quick break. This is Talk To Me by Coco. Um, a local band, and we'll see you after the break. Show me. 
Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. Welcome back to the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Today I'm talking with Rebecca. Rebecca studies policy and peace studies and we were catching up about what it means to drink alcohol in your early 20s and what the culture is like in a metropolitan area here in Melbourne, just generally in regards to alcohol. So Rebecca, alcohol culture for people our age in their early 20s today, what do you think that looks like and I guess, how do you think that's changed over the last few years? Um, I think it still looks the same as what it kind of always has. Just, uh, you know, needing a drink to catch up with friends, going out and having a good time with friends. That's a big social... Drinking is... Yeah, drinking is definitely a big social activity for friends, um, particularly as life gets busier, maybe you're busy with work or other things and catching up, going for a drink is like a way to, like a middle ground or, you know, having a drink is a good way to loosen up or feel a bit more confident to see your friends or meet new people. Um, Yeah, I feel like it's definitely just as prevalent. I did see a statistic that young people are um, drinking a lot, are using alcohol maybe less than what we definitely did, Um, but... Yeah, I feel like with a lot of my friends, they're still drinking and maybe have cut back as what they might have been using. But yeah, definitely alcohol is still in around in my social circles and in the bar that I work at, um, definitely lots of young people as opposed to middle-aged or older people. And have you been overseas before? Yeah, I have. I've been to America. Um but when I was there, I was under 21, so I didn't really wasn't wasn't really exposed to more mainstream alcohol use. It was more like house parties where underage people were drinking. And compared to the house parties that you've been to in Australia, I understand that it probably would have been a different context. Can you talk to me about the similarities or the differences in the drinking culture? Uh, in America. Yeah, between America and Australia. Um, I feel like probably not easy to compare just because um the house parties that I did go to were kind of university house parties so they were kind of run by like frats and sororities um so yeah I feel like the alcohol use was a lot different because a lot of people couldn't purchase their own alcohol so they were relying on um people who were 21 and yeah it was just like a very toxic drinking environment with the control that it gave to the people that were 21 and how they kind of used that to their advantage over the people who weren't. And I guess going back to culture, use of the word culture, um, drinking is ingrained into Australian culture and has been for the longest time, I think. Uh, do you think the culture is changing or at least the drinking culture is is changing in Australia? And if so, how do you think that's happening? Um. I think maybe a little bit just because of 
the cost of living and like people can't afford to go out go to restaurants go to bars go to pubs as much as they used to I feel like my parents always say you know back in their days they were always at the pub every Friday or Saturday night going out drinking with their friends with their family going to the pub with family Um, I feel like yeah there's um, definitely not that that not really occurring that much anymore particularly in my areas in Melbourne I feel like yeah going out once a week is like a pretty big privilege if you can afford that at the moment anyway and as well that statistic that you saw about people our age perhaps drinking less do you think they're just replacing drinking with something else because I think I saw something similar um it was actually you know I think a bit of a bit of a joke but there was some truth to it as well that people are replacing binge drinking with doom scrolling doom scrolling being uh the habit of getting on instagram and mindlessly scrolling your feed for hours on end and that's how people are perhaps preferring to spend their time uh what yeah what do you think people are replacing drinking with if anything yeah definitely that i think um vaping is like a huge thing i think people just particularly our age have been exposed to such quick and accessible um quick and accessible dopamine hits I think people wake up and they're seeking dopamine whether that's from their phone or vaping or having a drink so yeah I definitely feel like if they're not accessing dopamine through drinking it's definitely going to be sought through other ways i.e social media phone vaping that sort of thing And forgive me if this is a bit of a deep question, but how do you think people our age have been influenced by our uh, by our parents and their parents, and perhaps seeing the impact of binge drinking? Because I feel like binge drinking is almost a staple of Australian drinking culture. It's like, you know, there there are so many memes and jokes about you know one beer, come out for one beer. Why would I come out for one beer? You know, there's no point if I'm going to have one, I'm going to have ten kind of things. So. Can you speak to your experiences being in and around binge drinking and whether you think that's, I guess, part of Australian drinking culture? Yeah, I feel like it definitely is. I feel like going back to what I was saying earlier, it's what's normalised for you and what's if that's normalised in your upbringing, then, yeah, definitely it's going to rub off on you. Or if that's normalised um, with the culture that's around you, whether that be through uni or through college like a lot of people leave high school and find themselves in um, situations like um, university parties or going to college and drinking is very very prevalent in those areas and binge drinking for sure Um, yeah even on nights out I guess you know the aim of the game for a lot of young people is to get really drunk and go home and I think it's just very normalized um, very very normalized for sure yeah And what you said about the youth perhaps taking up vaping as maybe a replacement dopamine hit is interesting because I was just thinking to myself, you know, we've had cigarettes for the longest time and cigarettes, I guess, were the way to smoke forever. And as well as, you know, having a beer or having a few beers and wanting a cigarette, why should the youth now be looking to take up vaping as an alternative to drinking when they have had cigarettes for the longest time? Um, I think... A lot of people with cigarettes um, in Australia, they're very expensive. Um, you know, buying a pouch or a pack of cigarettes has gone up dramatically. The taxes 
um, over the past decade or 20 years have gone up significantly and I feel like vaping is a very cheap alternative like you can get vapes for 15 to 20 dollars um, they're quick easy you don't have to go outside you know find a lighter roll the cigarette if you have to it's just quick it's easy it's instant it you know, doesn't leave a smell um, so I think yeah for a lot of young people for people would say they taste nice um, so I think for a lot of young people taking up vaping for a hit of dopamine is very normal now yeah I guess you know a strawberry vape would taste nicer than I guess a 4x or a VB for a lot of people especially you know that's I feel like more a staple of generations gone by don't get me wrong there are still people who definitely enjoy those kinds of beers but yeah I see what you're saying what about other things that people are deciding to replace drinking with you know maybe other other kinds of drugs and I guess you know health and fitness is so so much more of something we're exposed to just through our social media on a daily basis do you think that plays into things as well yeah for sure I feel like um I was watching a uh, Channel 7 News thing real the other day on Instagram and they were saying that you know celebrities like Joe Rogan and Kim Kardashian have way more influence over um, health and fitness than a lot of doctors and people in medical fields do so I feel like that wave of looking after yourself looking exercising the whole ice bath and sauna movement um, is definitely starting to shape young people for sure and like um, taking care of your mental health particularly during our mental health crisis that we have here in Australia and worldwide at the moment. Um, yeah, it's definitely starting to definitely shape the way that maybe... Um, it's definitely helped shape the way that we view... Young people have viewed alcohol as being a negative thing. Anxiety um, is definitely way more spoken about than what it was 20 years ago. Can you tell people what anxiety is? Anxiety, rather, for people that might not know. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's just a slang for hang-up when you're um, anxious from being hungover and anxious about the night before and what you did and your behaviour and can kind of ruminate on your actions, whether you might not have done anything or you might have done made a mistake. It doesn't really matter. You just feel very anxious. And, yeah, I think you raise an interesting point in regards to social media and everyone our kind of age being connected with the same... Uh, philosophies and morals and trends and stuff like that we're not limited to our specific country's culture and media to inform us on what's normal or what we should or shouldn't be doing do you think that's kind of a trend that you see continuing into the future more of a global kind of understanding of partying and taking care of ourselves and yeah do you think do you think that's something that'll only continue I mean, yeah, I hope so. I feel like it's definitely, um, you know, creating such positive um, conversations about drinking and binge drinking and what's healthy and what's not. Um, so definitely I hope it continues into the future. I definitely see a space for it. I feel like the um, there's already such huge influence so far from people in those spaces. So, yeah, for sure. Do you think it's a good thing? Um. Yes and no. I feel like it's a good thing in terms of positivity, of definitely wanting to take care of yourself physically, mentally. Um, definitely good to have constructive and objective conversations about drinking, but it's also 
as I said before, these celebrities with very huge platforms, it can be, um, you know, objectively a bit intense when they have such huge influence over industries like medical professionals and things like that. So, yeah. All right. Uh, We'll get into this after the break as well, but quickly, you know, studying policies, do you think there are any glaring issues in regards to Australia's alcohol policy that perhaps require addressing or anything that you think going forward needs to change and something you do see practically that could change in the future? Um, Probably not so much policy just because, um, yeah, we're... Yeah, I feel like we're quite advanced in that aspect, particularly without drinking age being 18. I feel like it is a lot healthier than um, than like America's 21 um, age. But I feel like more so we need to develop more education um, from in high schools and schools. And I feel like support as well, um, you know, we need greater access to counselling or therapy that isn't really expensive um yeah i would say just education is key always always so it would be great if we had um a lot better education and how do how do we change the how do we change the way in which fear tactics are being used in regards to inform us on how we should drink in regards to something a bit healthier and more constructive um i think for me as an adolescent i always just wanted someone who was relatable i think if you have more young people spreading the word and not, you know, your old teachers that have been there for 30 years and giving you the yearly, giving that grade the yearly uh, alcohol chat, I just feel like it's just outdated. It's not relatable. Um, and I think for students, you know, you just want someone that you really respect and that you can definitely um, relate to. So, yeah, I think it would be great if we had more young people in those spaces or people who have um, experienced it as well, and maybe people from outside of school that you're not seeing every day. And I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of relatability, going back to what we were talking about with young people and their algorithms and finding and seeking out those role models that they find relate to them, and that's the way that people are choosing to do it nowadays. Okay, so we're going to go to another break. This one, this song rather, is called Morning Breaks by Lazy Bones. Enjoy. Show me where you wanna 
Welcome back to the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. You just heard Morning Breaks by Lazy Bones, and today I'm sitting here with Rebecca. Rebecca and I were talking a bit about alcohol culture and what needs to change or anything that needs changing generally in regards to the culture around alcohol going forward. So we were talking a little bit behind, uh, before the break about what young people are perhaps replacing alcohol with. Uh, we didn't really get into any any drug use or anything like that, but off air we were talking a little bit about how Australians are the highest cocaine users per capita in the world. Uh, do you think that drugs like cocaine and other illicit drugs uh, come into the conversation in regards to what people might be replacing alcohol with, psychedelics, marijuana, medical prescriptions for that kind of thing? Um, I don't think the I wouldn't say replacing alcohol. I feel like a lot of people use cocaine with alcohol. Um, but I guess other drugs, yeah, definitely might be replacing, but I don't, yeah, I'm not too sure in terms of more psychedelics. But I guess um, it's been really good having um, legalised medicinal cannabis in Australia because I feel like it has helped a lot of people and it might um, be, I'm not too sure statistically wise, but I feel like it is possibly helping in terms of decreasing the use of alcohol, but yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah, and... Um... What do you think is something that, I guess I want to get into the differences, difference of understanding of socializing and, you know, how we're trying to build our lives in terms of being people in our early 20s, as opposed to people who are our parents' age in their 50s and 60s. What do you think the best way to bridge the, bridge the differences in conversation regarding how we want to socialize and drink and use, use our own kind of time or spend our time rather how do you think what's the best way of explaining that to our parents and how can we explain to them hey drinking's not something that we're super interested in anymore yeah for sure great question um i feel like it is for me i feel like it definitely is quite hard particularly like during um you know yeah i don't know to be honest i think maybe just create an open conversation but I know that it is quite hard for a lot of people considering it is so normal in their day-to-day lives I think as long as you've set your own boundaries and do what's good for you then hopefully that they can understand but yeah I think it is a case-by-case thing for sure. So Rebecca you mentioned that you work in a bar how has that affected the way you perceive alcohol? Um, yeah I feel like it's definitely made me very more Oh, sorry, a lot more sensible with drinking and, like, definitely dealing with drunk people, like, three to five days a week can be extremely exhausting. So I feel like when I go out drinking um, with friends or go to bars, I feel like I'm, like, very hyper-aware of my behaviour and, like, don't want to be a burden to anyone or, yeah, so it's definitely made me a lot more sensible. And being around alcohol to that extent, uh, you know, how often do you work per week? At the moment, like five days a week. And I guess during during the week that would include. So how how has that affected your own drinking and uh, you know drinking with friends? I guess that would make you want to g on and drink a bit more. Um, as I said earlier, I definitely um, have limited my drinking um, a lot more. Like I don't really drink during the week. I only really drink if it's a weekend. Um, I feel like in Melbourne 
it's definitely very seasonable seasonal seasonable drinking here so like in winter I'm definitely not drinking as much as what I am in summer so yeah I feel like as you said if I want to um you know create a plan or something to do after work definitely is weather dependent at the moment as well and what do you notice about the people that come through in regards to different groups and people that may be more willing to drink or people that hang around and stuff like that do you notice anything consistently working there um you also you always find that at the start you're like oh like that group's all right or they're quite nice and then a few hours pass and a lot more alcohol they definitely get a little bit more rude or a bit more bratty or a bit more of a nuisance I would say um yeah it's definitely monitoring the way that alcohol changes people um very quickly as well and that bar that you work at is, is that a wet bar yeah it is. meaning that you can drink on shift yeah so what's that like how do you kind of regulate that um I feel like um it definitely can lead down a uh, slippery slope I feel like a lot of people have had to find like a happy medium with what's um what what your limits are um i feel like do you feel do you feel like people struggle with that at all um i have seen a lot of people struggle for sure and what were you about to say i'm sorry um i feel like at the moment um i don't really like to drink that much on shift just because yeah you just find like you kind of make stupid mistakes or um yeah you're you're also your duty carries to the people in the building so and what about anxiety? We mentioned that before. What's your own relationship like with anxiety and how do you kind of combat that? Um, I feel like, um, yeah, definitely just learning to go easy on yourself and to, um, you know, I feel like I used to always like call friends and talk to friends be like, what did I do? And they're like, no, you're fine. And it's like, oh, I know that I wasn't. And they're like, no, you literally were. So I feel like definitely just making up, going easy on yourself, making sure you like take time in the morning, take a couple minutes to like, um, you know, maybe do like meditating or cook like a healthy meal and not going for a crazy meal. Um, just like filling your body with like love and positivity. That's an important message, love and positivity. And what about on actual nights out? Were you the kind of drinker to call people, to send text messages, that kind of thing? No, not really. I um, I rarely like, I don't really like to lose control when I'm drinking. So I find that um, I kind of use drinking to enhance, like having a good time. But um, yeah, I definitely hate to lose control. And aside from losing control, what about going into a negative headspace while you're drinking? How often does that happen to you, if at all? Um, I guess. My mental health is really good at the moment, so not that much. I feel like, you know, when I was a teenager or early 20s, when you're just kind of going through it, navigating life and a um, bit of mental health, anxiety, depression, so, um, it's definitely a lot worse. But, yeah, now I feel like I've just created a really good um, environment for myself. And I suppose... I do hear about our generation being the most removed from our parents' generation. Again, just through virtue of social media and the fact that we know so much more than what our parents do because we've got unlimited access to all kinds of information. Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it, to kind of you know bridge a generation together that's only getting 
you know, more and more distant from each other just through virtue of how quick technology is kind of progressing. What do you think alcohol use and drug culture is going to be like in Australia heading into the future? Do you have any predictions or what that might look like? Um, I think, you know, especially with the increased taxes, I feel like alcohol is becoming a very expensive thing to consume. To go out is very expensive now. Um, so I feel like it, it might phase out quite slowly just through virtue of um, price increase and people not being able to afford it. But I guess I am coming with that from the angle of the cost of living crisis that young people are facing at the moment. And I think, you know, going out and getting drunk with your friends is not really a priority for not really myself, but a lot of my friends. It's like, would love to like go out and have a few drinks and, you know, order cocktails all night long and that sort of thing, but it's just not accessible, um, particularly at the moment. So, yeah, I feel like um, definitely going into the future, we're just so thankful and lucky for our generation that we just have so much education. We know what alcohol does to our mental health, what it does to us physically. We know um, how to combat um, addictions a lot more with the education that we have now. So... I feel like we, um, with our generation growing up, we're definitely going to have a lot healthier relationship um, and also with the generations to come. And just touching on that, what do you think the impact is in terms of speaking up and having a conversation and talking about your mental health? That's something that's obviously emerged in the last 10 years or so. There's been more of an emphasis on that. How do you think that's affected our generation and you know, people our age having an affliction, being able to seek out help for that. Yeah, I think um, it's been such a positive thing for our generation. I feel like a lot of people back in the day used to wait till they were drunk until they would open up or wait until they were really drunk to have hard conversations, whereas I feel like we're really lucky in a sense that we don't need to use alcohol as a mask to have hard conversations or open up with hard feelings. So, yeah, I feel like it's um yeah one of the better things that come from our generation for sure is the um with ease that we take with hard conversations and just going a bit more open-ended why do you think australians drink and use drugs so much um i mean i guess going back to like colonialization like uh, and english people have a big drinking culture and that's culture that was brought here I think um you know with Australia being built by convicts and being convicts sent here I just think definitely dates back to the 1700s um and I think it then in pop culture it's um intertwined so heavily with sport and having a good time and you know Australians are easygoing so yeah I feel like it's definitely um yeah a bit of both a bit of all those things and I think for sure as well, you know, the fact that drinking was such, was so normalized rather in terms of something you just do, that's how you have fun. You know, that is the way you're supposed to go out and spend your Friday and Saturday nights with your mates. It, there really is an overlap and a correlation between that and not speaking up. And, you know, if something is going on or something's wrong in your life, cover it up, use alcohol as a mask, numb it. 
you know, I definitely know myself, people in my life that were blind drunk and causing issues and then the next day forgetting about it or not forgetting about it rather, pretending like nothing ever happened and using alcohol as an excuse or even people that are like, oh, when I'm drunk, I'm this person, you know, this is my alter ego, you know, shifting the blame and that kind of thing. I also think it's interesting how perhaps in England, I've seen testimonials from people who are a bit like, oh, England's drab and England's grey, there's not a lot to do, that's why we drink. Whereas in Australia, you did mention we're easygoing, but it couldn't be more different from England in terms of the landscape that we're living in and having the sunshine and being able to go out and do whatever we want. I think it's, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that uh, alcoholism within culture can differ just based on the culture and not exactly what there is to do. Because in Japan, you know, there's a huge drinking culture there. Yeah, for sure. I think um, definitely also is just like a Western culture for white people to be big drinkers. Um, Yeah, so I guess England as well, you know, it's sport is so huge over there and as I said sport and drinking is so intertwined particularly for young men you know something to do go to the pub watch your team have friends over watch the game big game you know um same in America with um yeah with their sports so yeah I think for sure I guess yeah I don't know it's just interesting how you know, drinking, as we've been breaking it down, is really intertwined into every social convention. We've got to have fun, you know. Imagine if weed was like, oh, I'm going to the game, got to smoke, got to smoke some weed, you know. Going to Christmas lunch with everyone, okay, well, there's going to be heaps of weed there. Got to use that to kind of deal with the social interactions and whatnot. What about people in between our parents' generations? So we've addressed the differences and similarities between us and our parents. Have you got any friends in their 30s? And, you know, I guess, how do they approach drinking and drugs? Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I feel like probably more relating to our generation than their parents' generation, for sure. I feel like, yeah, it's just kind of the way... Australia is, unfortunately. Yeah, how, how different do you think our approach to drinking and drugs is uh, compared to people in their 30s and 40s? Um, I feel like they were kind of lucky that they missed the social media train, so I feel like probably more so going out drinking and partying when they were younger. They weren't... Um, yeah, it's like you go out drinking and partying, you just have your non-digital phone. <laughs> so I... From what I've had conversations with friends in that age brackets, for sure, I feel like it seems like it was just as around as much as any other generation. And what about advice for people our age that are perhaps struggling with drinking or drug use? Um, you know, any missteps that you've made along the way in regards to your relationship with these things that you wish you could have rectified or things that you wished you could have done differently? Um, I feel like... Now that we have so much education in mental health and anxiety and depression, I think, you know, once you're well aware and able to identify that, like, maybe you are kind of feeling a little bit depressed or a little bit anxious, that alcohol only enhances it and it might suppress it for the night or for the moment, but it definitely adds to the fuel, uh, like, fuel to the fire the next day or for uh, the week to come. So I feel like in high school, you know, I was not really taught that. I was not really taught, um, yeah, the mental health sides of 
alcohol it was only ever the physical sides of like you know you could um choke in your sleep from vomiting like it was very very like scary sides of alcohol you know you could be violent you could get into a fight it's like um your mental health on the line is just as dangerous as what um, alcohol can make you physically so yeah I feel like my advice would definitely be to kind of just take care of your mental health and don't um try not try to create a healthy relationship with alcohol because obviously it is around um yeah so that you're not um yeah impacting your mental health as much and I think that can relate to a variety of different things as well if you're doom scrolling if you're addicted to your phone if you're addicted to anything really I guess what's important to remember is every everyone's experiencing this kind of thing in different ways especially with less people our age using alcohol it's totally it's okay um what you said about doing the research and checking in and finding out ways that you can help your situation that's something that we're so blessed to be able to do as well so I think that's something important to remember um okay so i think that brings us to the end of the show um so thank you so much for coming on rebecca thank you so much for having me and that brings us to the final song of the bracket this is lake fire by jimmy stanfield we'll be back next week at the same time so tune in then
Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long COVID as a keyword. A 3CR supporter. Talk Back with Attitude is having a picnic with principles. And that's all you'll get if you don't bring a plate. 12 noon on Thursday, the 14th of December, Parliament Gardens, corner of Spring and Lonsdale Streets in the city. I can't believe this. Pasquale is in bloody Sydney and he's telling us there's a picnic and MTL's talking about principles. Just bring food and drink, okay? Food and drink. Stuff the principle, stuff the Celebrate getting through another year. Come to our Picnic with Platitudes by Talkback with Attitude. And if you don't bring food to share and something to drink, all you'll get is attitude. Save the date, 12 noon, Thursday the 14th of December at Parliament Gardens in the corner of Spring and Lonsdale Streets. Pasquale, you're not here. We've removed you from the free CR Talkback with Attitude records. Come along to a picnic, picnic in, in the, the park. park with the Talkback team. We'll see you on the fourteenth.
Many refugees who still don't have the right to work are feeling the impacts of the cost of living crisis, leaving them unable to put food on the table for their families, let alone afford rent, health care and other essentials. Give to ASRC's end of year appeal and help shine a light of hope for refugees and people seeking asylum this festive season. Donate today at asrc.org/donate/a3cr/support. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.